Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 25 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. This week we are discussing 1998's greatest tale of love, loss, family, grief, and snowmen. That's right, guys. We're talking about 1998's Jack Frost, starring Michael Keaton and Kelly Preston, among others. We are not talking about the 1997 horror film of the exact same name, nor are we talking about the Rankin and Bass TV special with the same name or any of the other seven properties, <laughs> movies, or television shows that have been called Jack Frost over the years. Wow, that could get confusing. You have yes. to heed the warning, listeners. And the funniest thing is that if you look at the horror Jack Frost, the snowman yeah. looks very similar to Whoa. Jack Frost here in our movie. They, well, I mean, there's only so much wiggle room with a with a snowman, I guess, right? That's true. It's very difficult to get different looks on a snowman. I love that we're doing this movie because it gives me an opportunity to have my funny pronunciation that I tend to <laughs> whenever we deal with man or men. And I make it sound like someone's last name. So yeah. you will hear me say Jack the Snowman. I heard it right away. As soon as you said it, I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a thing that, you know what? I do it. And so now I just lean into it as like part of my shtick. I love it. Hey, Mike, did you know this story is by Mark Stephen Johnson? This is one of those kitchen sink movies. So the screenplay has a couple of different writing teams attached to it. It's got Mark Stephen Johnson, who has the story by credit. Then it's got Stephen Bloom and Jonathan Roberts. The ampersand indicates that they're a writing team. And then uh, finally, there's also Jeff Cesario, who I recognize that name as a comedy guy. And when I looked him up, he in fact did write for a bunch of comedians and, and had some of his own comedy specials. And when I saw his picture, I think I might have even seen him do stand up in the city uh, a couple of times. I recognize the name right away i think he actually wrote on dennis miller's talk show for a period of time hmm. so yeah and it was directed by troy miller checking out mr miller's work huh yeah uh, yeah we're we're looking at old mr miller <laughs> so this was released on december 11th 1998 and the budget was like between 40 and 85 million and it didn't do so good mike yeah this was a big old bomby stinker this is like a real low point i think in michael keaton's career yeah. though right so he he comes off of a big high with i mean he's a king of the 80s and then he has batman and he has batman returns which you guys have already seen and then i feel like his career kind of like falls into obscurity for like 20 years yeah, it doesn't go that great. Uh, Jack Frost is a, is, is a strange movie, to be honest with you. I had never seen it before. What's your history with Jack Frost? I am positive that I had seen this back when it came out, but I did not remember very much of it. So 1998 would have been like a date movie type time for us. When this came out in 98, I was actually single when this came out in 1998. I definitely didn't take a date, but I frequently, as I do now as an adult, uh, I often go to the movies alone. Uh, that's I, I've never had a problem going to the movies alone, so I am positive I probably saw this by myself in the movie theater. With all the children. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kids. You're like, I'm here for Jack Frost. <laughs> I was only 20. I was a chirp face. I didn't yet have facial hair. You must have rocked a goatee. That was the 98 time. The, the goatee came a little bit later, but I was for sure rocking the long sideburns that Michael Keaton is using in this oh, movie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we were all very affected by uh, Dylan and Brandon, Brandon Walsh and Dylan McKay from 90210. What do you think of Michael Keaton's sideburns in this one? I love the sideburns. Gotta tell you, laughed a little bit when I saw his tiny little earring. I 
I super laughed. That was so funny that you put that in your notes because I was like, <laughs> when I saw it too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what yeah. is the matter with us? Is it just because that's just so cliche, like I'm cool and hip? No, because it doesn't bother me when, when uh, if I see someone with the nearing, especially from the 90s, it was a it was a thing. Like it didn't bother, like Mac had a big gold hoop in his ear. Uh, the keyboard player, his best friend, and I guess uh, Home Depot or True Value employee. I think it was because it was Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is Batman to me. Michael Keaton is gung ho. He's he's Mr. Mom, not guy with earring playing like Bruce, like he's Bruce Willis playing blues on harmonica in a band in a movie. This was like Michael Keaton doing Bruce Willis, huh? It, the, the opening of this was exactly like uh, Michael Keaton doing Bruce Willis because uh, other than Moonlighting and Die Hard, Bruce Willis playing the blues and harmonica in his band was what I think of. When I think of Bruce Willis, uh, you know, there's Pulp Fiction, I guess, but there's a large swath of Bruce Willis timeline that I just think of him. I had his album. I had his blues album uh, on vinyl back in the day. You know, that's wild. I don't know anyone who had that. I I came out. I came out in like the middle to late run of Moonlighting, uh, and me and my sisters definitely had that on vinyl. I was a big blues. (laughs) I was. I was a big Moonlighting fan. I was a big Bruce Willis fan. Uh, But yeah, so Michael uh, Michael Keaton. I was like, I appreciate the burns, buddy. Uh, I'm laughing at your little tiny earring. It made me chuckle. What did you think of these versions of Christmas songs that were all filled with these bluesy rocker? I actually really liked the music in this movie. I liked this cover. This it was it was actually basically an original song because it was Frosty the Snowman. It was based on Frosty the Snowman, but it was lyrics changed to fit a bluesy rocker. I lo- I really liked it. I, I went looking for it on Spotify afterwards. I was I was pretty into it. And then they have some really good covers that play, you know, on the soundtrack. They have some Lisa Loeb. They have Swirl 360 in a song that I never heard before that I really liked. I, what did you think of, of the band, of the Jack Frost band music? What did you think of the general music in the movie? I was good with it. It was a, it was a total mood and and it it fit the character that they were trying to create with old Jack Frost here. I think I think what I liked about it, especially, you know, at the end when Lisa Loeb came on, but even during the sled montage when the Swirl 360 song Hey Now Now was playing, it was such a time capsule of 1998 and that era. It was very nostalgic for me. I, I had really stopped listening to a lot of music at that. Uh, I was I was working in the city. I had like a real job and I, I worked, you know, I was working 18 hour days. I, I didn't have a lot of time for things like music that I had always had time for. But when I think back to that period, the music in this movie very much took me there. Like I, it was a very time, you know, like a time capsule in a bottle kind of thing for me. I like that it had this kind of like sass factor to it. Like it, it had like this, that kind of like that kind of slower downbeat kind of sass to it that I, I dig. I like blues rock. Uh, I was a blues traveler fan. I, you know, I mm. like, I like the sass. I like the, the attitude that's associated. I, I, I'm a Billy Joel fan. I love harmonica. I, I would have liked more of the bluesy rock Christmas vibe. There's something very bluesy about Christmas, you know, in one way. Obviously not in the holly jolly Christmas kind of way, but that other side of Christmas, that underbelly side of Christmas, that seedy side of Christmas has a real has a real bluesy rock vibe feel to it, though. Did you like Jack Frost as a character then, since he was this this bluesy rocker? I liked him in the band. I thought he was a horrible dad. I I feel like every week we come on this podcast and I unintentionally view it through the lens of being a dad this movie especially maybe more than anyone that we've watched so far i i could not put my dad hat to the side while watching it well it would be weird if you did i mean the premise is very much the relationship between dad jack frost and son charlie i mean that's that's really the meat of it Charlie, who's played by Joseph Cross, who is not a name that I recognized. I looked at his IMDb. I mean, he's done a bunch of stuff. This wasn't like his only thing. This is like one of like three or four movies he did in 1998, the kid. It's actually one of two movies he did with Michael Keaton in 1998. Wow. I miss Joseph Cross's career completely. Uh, As did I. As did I. I think he delivered very well on the feeling of having an absentee dad. 
Michael Keaton is a pro. My, I don't ever dislike Michael Keaton performances. He's one of those guys when he shows up, if he's in a movie, I'm, I know I'm going to like his performance. I may not like the movie, but I know I'm going to like his performance in it. And I got to tell you, I liked his performance in this. I thought he, I think he executed what the character was supposed to be. L- truly, I, I never doubt that he loves his wife, that he loves Gabby, played by Kelly Preston. I never doubt that he loves Charlie. I think he just loves himself and his dreams more. He is an artist and he has a, a calling and a passion. And that is definitely like, I never know what to think about those people exactly because I'm not that person. I definitely family and people come before this like other calling, but I really feel for people. Like if you felt like you were always meant to be something, the people in your life have to be periphery because you have to have these blinders on in order to get to where you want to go. And it, and it's all you are. We've, we've seen this on so many other shows. The one that for whatever reason, and is coming to mind is the astronaut show that we watched uh, away away. Mm -hmm. yeah that one in particular is coming to mind that idea when you just have this passion and this dream and you've been working for it for so long yeah you can have a spouse and you can have kids and you can have other things going on but at the end of the day your being cannot be satisfied without following this dream and you know that must be a very difficult life for anybody in terms of relationships like how do you ever keep up any relationships this is the thing I'm also finding when we're doing this podcast is so many of these movies that we're doing, like this one, were so panned by critics and actually has a decent audience score now. It actually, as of t- I checked today, it has a B plus cinema score score from which is audience viewing um but this this movie got ripped apart by critics tons of one star reviews and two star reviews this is an honest character this is a real character that exists in the world maybe not for everyone maybe not everyone can relate to it they talk about this he has enough self-awareness to know that he is a flaky artist chasing his dreams at a cost he's aware of it and i give the movie a lot of credit for making him aware of it. I think he just doesn't yeah. realize how much damage he's done. I think he doesn't realize the idea that sometimes it's too late to make it better, but he's aware he's done damage. So there's a conversation that that Jack has with Charlie about this when he misses the hockey game, when he chooses to stay in the studio until late at night and misses the hockey game that he promised Charlie he'd be at. They have a conversation about chasing dreams and balancing it versus becoming a selfish jerk obsessed with your dreams. What did you think of that conversation? What did you think of having that kind of frank conversation with your kid who is currently heartbroken with, you know, uh, about what happened that day? Well, I think it it goes to that exact type of person, that person who is so driven by this calling. And I I think I always think it's good to be honest with your kids when it comes to the reasons why you do things that you do. I think it it helps so much with communication when they need to explain their reasons for things, if there's already like a, a dialogue there. So I wasn't turned off or anything by that. I was really happy that he never did that move where he was like, what, what? Or, you know, like he, you're right. He got it. He understood that he was putting his family on the shelf in order to follow the stream. And that's when we get back to Kelly Preston as Gabby, you know, she seems to be, dealing with it fairly well. And and I appreciated there was one line that she gave when she was like, Charlie didn't choose this life. I chose it. I knew what I was getting into. I knew how you were. I knew that, you know, the passion for the music. For families, I think it can work on some level. But my big bummer for him was just every time he would start to promise something, I was like, man, just don't promise. Like, why do you have to promise? Just be who you are in your in your own shoes there and be like, if I'm not there, mom, here's the contingency plan. Mom will videotape it and we'll watch it together later. Or stop making these promises when you already seem in all other aspects to just own up to what your life is. Right. And and to Gabby and Charlie's credit, they didn't begrudge him going after this dream. They seem genuinely happy for him that he's getting these touring gigs, that the record company is finally looking at them. You know, there there's actually a little important piece of information after the concert, the opening concert scene, the radio DJ brings us into the small town that they live in, which is outside of Denver. 
and he he's talking about the Jack Frost band having, you know, tore up the house in Denver the night before and says, like, they're the best band you've never heard of, which is, you know, again, more detail than you would expect from this kind of movie. And kind of made me tilt my head. Like, I kind of smiled and was like, oh, so it's like he's hardworking and everyone appreciates his work. He just hasn't gotten his big break yet. Right. He doesn't, he lives in a perfectly nice house and everything in Colorado is expensive, but he doesn't live in the big house that he wants to provide for his family. Mac is, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're certainly making money playing, but Mac is also working at the true value, which I'm, I'm using hardware store generally. These guys aren't wealthy. They're not living, they're not traveling in limos. They're traveling in vans and cars to their gigs, but they're doing doing it they're on the road they're being artists they're traveling around so anyone who's ever pursued a dream like music or art or sport or actors or for sure actors anyone in the industry basically right i think this story resonates at some point with any of them who have families but are also not willing to give up or unable to give up on those dreams i think this is actually a story that resonates with a lot of people i mean you and i spend plenty of time behind a microphone to the i don't want to say neglect but while we're talking (laughs) while we're talking to each other my kid is in another room your kids are in another room right right because we're trying to get a business off the ground. And that's the thing is like, if you have a dream and you have something you want to go achieve, then yeah, I mean, the trick of it is, though, I think it's important is that people are allowed to have dreams and they should have dreams and they should chase their dreams. It's the balance and it's the promises. Just be honest, you know, just say, I'm going to have to spend X amount of time doing this. And this, these are the trades and just like be with their This is a really good story about how time is fleeting, you know, and you never know when your last day is going to be. When Gabby rightfully, and it's the only time she really takes him to task is she is a she is a loyal, supporting, understanding wife and mother this entire movie. One time she takes him to task is when he walks in late at night and she says, why? She's not yelling at him for being at the studio late. She's yelling at him. Why did you make promises to him? We've been through this. Why did you do that's her issue with him? Not that you were at the studio. We understand those hours, but you said you'd be there and then you weren't. Broken promises are so much worse than unmade promises. Or just be honest and say, I'm not going to be able to make it. Here's what we're going to do instead. Mom's bringing the little camcorder, you know, like have a backup plan. That's how most of the people do it in all these different industries. And I can say even for my own dad, he traveled a ton when I would have been Charlie's age. And that was just part of the job. And we moved during that time too. My parents had a saying, you go where the money is. That's why, that's why we have to move. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. You go where the money is and dad's got to go. And that's the way it is. But he was never, there was never a time when I was looking in the stands for him. I knew he was traveling. I knew when he would be home. It was all above board. There was no confusion. Tom, my son, he lives in, you know, he spends time with me, he spends time with his mother, and he has a lot of activities. And we're not always both there, you know, but it's always videotaped. And right, it's, it's above board. I, I am particularly sensitive to this because I was raised by parents, not that they made promises, they just never showed up. They could have, they just didn't. So I was particularly sensitive to this when I became a father to not do what Jack does repeatedly through this movie. When Gabby takes him to task, she says something so good to him. She names a bunch of different things that Jack has missed, and even a silly one like, uh, I think it was like sticking a, an, a waffle up his nose or something like that. She says, yeah. these things only happen once and then they're gone. Yeah. You have to show if you're going to say you're going to show up, you got to show up. Here's where my frustration came with Jack. And this is why I'm calling him a bad dad. Right after this conversation, Caroline, what does he do? He makes a promise that they're going to go to the cabin for Christmas. We just got done having a conversation about making promises. And he says, you know, what's so funny about that, Mike. Oh, my God. I literally said out loud. Oh, my God. He doubled down because we had just had which is classic bad dad behavior. It's classic bad relationship behavior, right? Because me and you had just had this conversation having to do with uh, another show we're doing. Kevin can blank himself. And in that one, a character doubles down in a situation where we were like, why would you make this huge? gesture at this time like this is so crazy but 
It's for the exact same reason. He felt like he was losing Charlie. And so here we go. We're, we're going to double down on this. I literally yelled out, oh, no, he doubled down. <laughs> I was like, why did you do that? I literally screamed at my TV. It's in my notes. I'm literally screamed at my TV. <laughs> Jack, you've got to show up and you're not going to. Uh-huh. And that's where the frustration comes. That's where my problem with Jack Frost, the dad, is because it is fleeting. There comes a point where it's too late. The relationship is either destroyed or life is fleeting. Just time marches on and kids grow up and they have their own families and they're not coming back for Christmas anymore. They're the bennies. <laughs> There's a reason why three generations of people have cried or fathers have cried to listening to Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. Because there comes a point where your son no longer expects or wants your presence. You've blew it. And you know what? Now your son is going to treat you the way you treated him. It's not forgotten all of the missed opportunities, all of the promises broken, those don't get forgotten. They just get turned against you. And you know what? You have no one to blame but yourself, Jack. Even if you have a more, let's say, a more neutral relationship, it's it's that they stop looking in the stands. It might not be that they hate you for not being there. They just stop looking for you. And they find other people to kind of fill those those positions in their life. This movie is pretty interesting in that in that regard, in terms of like, you know, again, these would this would be a Christmas movie where people are probably watching it with other family members. And so this is a sensitive type topic to bring up. When if you're sitting around and people maybe you're having a, you know, a small family get together or something and you like turn on a movie, right? And you start watching it, this could bring up some harsh feelings mm-hmm. about like you weren't there for me or, you know, even at the holidays, you didn't show up when I expected you to show up here's my hope when people watch this movie and 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 dads and moms anyone anyone in a relationship who finds themselves making these promises and unable to keep them for whatever reason whether it's because they're selfish or just because they're bad at time management whatever the issue is but as a dad i'm talking to the dads out there if this is something you're having problems with if you are a jack frost my hope is you watch this movie and you really are watching it and you're watching it with your kid laying on your lap or sitting between your legs or just in the same room that you learn from his mistakes. He doesn't learn from his mistakes until it is honestly too late. That's my Christmas miracle hope for this movie is watch this movie when you are particularly sensitive to family and relationships, which I don't think anyone is as particularly sensitive to those things than, than they are at Christmas time. Right. Which that's what I'm saying. This is a real sensitive movie and heads up to our audience. If they feel like this is a movie that they want to sit down with and they think like, Oh, Hey, this is going to be a fun Christmas movie with a snowman in it. And I think the snowman comes alive. I don't know. I think. Right. And then they they sit down and you watch it. You might be surprised at, how much heavy subject matter this gets into and that it might stir some feelings in your household. Right. I hope this movie could be a teaching moment for the dads out there that are going through this. Carolyn, I got to tell you, when Charlie hands him back the harmonica, he sees the handwriting on the wall about the record company. My my freaking heart just broke because it's my biggest fear as a dad. I love the concept of him passing his favorite harmonica, a, a cherished heirloom to his son that's a really special thing it's it's something i've i've had the pleasure and and joy to do with tom passing him along stuff that i have loved and valued the idea of him ever coming to me and be like you know what i don't need this you know me the spiral that would put me in it's it's literally my it's my biggest fear come to life being a dad is my main job and to fail as spectacularly as Jack fails in that moment when he when Charlie hands him back the harmonica, the devastation I felt on his behalf. Okay, so then how did you feel as we're moving forward through the plot when he has the moment of realizing like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I can't I can't not be with my family. How did you feel at that point? Was that like an actual Ebenezer Scrooge? Like, oh my God, he gets it. He actually gets it. Yeah, I mean, there there's there's a couple things that really work for me in this movie. There is the Christmas magic moment. Of course, yes, you've got to have that moment of magic and miracle the harmonica getting played that brings him to life and i love later on in the movie where they talk about it and charlie says i thought you made that up and he says i thought i did too i love that i thought that was actually pretty funny i actually I, I like the chemistry between keaton and and cross i i really like i like watching them interact together i just wish he had gotten it together better when he was in a corporeal form 
<laughs> but yeah, when he finally comes to life, let's get beyond, and we can revisit if you want, the fact that he accepts being a snowman really quickly. Uh, when he looks in the window and he watches Gabby, like, dealing with the sink that he never fixed, another promise broken, real Christmas present vibe there. When he realizes the damage he's done, the fact that Charlie has quit hockey. And now Mm -hmm. I don't think Charlie quit hockey because he got moved to the fence or because he didn't like the sport anymore. I think it represented of a trail of broken promises and ill feelings that at the time his father's death he was feeling. And I think hockey took the brunt of that. I think Jack starts to realize all those things. So, yeah, I do think it is an Ebenezer Scrooge moment. I think he has a Scrooge realization. The problem is, is it too late? Is is realizing it when you're a snowman for a limited amount of time (laughs) enough to make it better? Okay, so here's the thing. I think that Christmas time is also a time when people think back to relationships, mended or not. There's a there's a thing that we do in the Lithuanian culture. Does it involve pierogies? Pierogies are on the table, but it's mm. it's basically the Christmas wafers. Where at Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve, we go around and everybody has to break bread essentially with everyone else. What that does is it forces you to interact with people who maybe you haven't talked to all year. Maybe you were in some sort of snit with. But the idea is that Everything is forgiven. Everything gets back on track because no matter what happens, you break bread with everybody. There's a part of this story that I really appreciated the idea that everyone was kind of stuck in time, most especially Charlie, even Jack, where they really couldn't proceed. And the holidays are a time when those relationships or grieving over the loss of someone and and never having any closure. Jack's passing away is very sudden, very unexpected. And it was all wrapped up, too, in this uh, like no one was out looking for him or anything because there's that feeling of like, well, well, he's not showing up, which is all messy, very messy. It was interesting to me. They never actually discussed it. I was hoping maybe it would come out in the Charlie and Mac conversation that they have the year later because they do open up and and it was interesting for Charlie to hear about his father through his best friend's eyes kids learning about their parents from other people other than their own experience with their parents i think is always an interesting thing to witness but i had hoped that it had come out that jack had made the decision to go see them at the cabin that he didn't die not trying to be there again as a dad i hope that that had come out but i it, they never make it clear and certainly jack doesn't get any points if that if charlie is aware of the fact that he was that jack was on his way trying to make it to the cabin and made the right decision albeit too late but made the right decision in the end before he died i hope charlie knows that but it it either he either doesn't or is not giving him any credit because it never comes up in the story i was waiting for a line you know dad i i you know i i i was so mad at you and then i know when you went off the road you were coming to see us and you know, you can see where even maybe Charlie has guilt with that. There's a whole line there that they didn't explore because then, you know, if he didn't decide to come see me, then he wouldn't have gone off the road. Like, maybe that's why they didn't bring it up because it does open up a can of worms. But I wanted Jack, as 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 a dad to a dad, I wanted him to have that credit for having made the right decision, albeit too, 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 too late. Thinking about how this places in our Christmas movies, the larger topics of loss at Christmas, I think this is the first one that we visited. We we only had like the hints of Tiny Tim passing away and how sad that would be. But I think this is the first one where we've actually had a loss. And how do you deal with that at Christmas time? And what if the loss was at Christmas time? Oh, gosh. Now this is like an anniversary of the death and you have the holiday without them. You know, plenty of families deal with this. And this might be something... To talk to, you know, if your child is like older or you're trying to kind of deal with this, you know, with this loss, you might be able to use this movie a little bit to to maybe open a conversation about. So Charlie's having a hard time and Gabby's having a hard time. How do you feel about dad not being here this year or whatever? You know, you could kind of talk about things. You can't really discuss this movie and what it's trying to do and whether or not it's, whether or not the movie succeeds at what it's trying to do is a, is a discussion to be had for sure. For sure. But what it's trying to do, I think you have to talk about the end of the movie. You know, Charlie success, successfully gets his father up to the cabin. You know, it's still in the middle of a heat wave, but at least it's cold up in the mountains. He's better now. Charlie seems better. He seems healed or at least on the road to healing And then he, you know, Jack the snowman is like, all right, time for me to go. Like, well, he says, you need to let me go. And that's the thing. Like, this is all. And and, and the, the symbolism of taking him up to the cabin, I mean, 
dad never made it to the cabin that night. Charlie gets him to the cabin, you know, so there's this closure that's happening. Charlie gets him all the way there. And then, and he says, you can let me go. Like you, it's okay. Like basically we're good. There doesn't need to be any bad feelings between us anymore. I thought it was sweet on a really, on a really small kid level of a snowman representing your dad. I mean, I thought it was a pretty sweet way to do it in a way that a kid maybe could understand. A hundred percent. And it's a nice twist on the typical ghost or back from the dead, right? Why, why do yeah. go, why do ghosts hang around? Why do the ghosts hang around in, in, in Scrooge, in Christmas Carol? It's always because there's some unfulfilled mission always unfinished business there's something left to do on this earth man uh, mankind should have been my business marley says to scrooge as he's warning him about the ghosts coming to see him being a dad to charlie should have been jack's business that's his unfinished business and it's charlie's unfinished business to have closure with his father they can't move on you know jack uh, charlie looks exactly the same gabby looks exactly the same i thought no time had passed i thought she put him back in school like the day after his father yeah, died i was super surprised when it said like one year later or whatever i was like wait what <laughs> like that threw me i'm so happy that they had that conversation i had in my notes and i originally scribbled it out because eventually they make a note they make a note to say it's been a year since he died but i have in my notes in my like original notes it, it says like what what how long do you wait after your father is killed tragically like you put him right back before christmas break i was i was dumbfounded but no it turns out it's a year has gone by but he hasn't changed at all he's stunted gabby hasn't changed at all she still hasn't fixed the sink the sink the sink is still broken her their life is frozen in the moment at time at the time of jack's death on mac too he's lost the music he's lost the groove he's it's not lost i mean he's playing the piano as the movie goes to credits they're all frozen in time as is jack with the unfinished business caused by his untimely death and by the lesson that he hadn't learned before he died unfortunately it was sweet that i thought like you know the majority of the movie is spent with him reconnecting with charlie and doing all the activities that he wanted to do getting to the hockey rink and doing the snowball fight and you know having all these father-son moments i literally wrote my notes he's a better dad as a snowman <laughs> and i was like laughing to myself because because i didn't have any connection to this movie at the time so it was just like right away i was like he's a better he's a better dad as a snowman like it was just like my my knee-jerk response to it but like obviously that's the point he understood where he was you know where he needed to make amends here he finally understood that his priorities i i'm so hesitant to say his priorities are wrong because i i, I never want to be in a position you of saying hear me about the art part right you i hear do me about the calling like i really don't want to belittle those people i don't I, that's why i'm saying i'm struggling with it too I, I think that life must be very hard, Mike. Like, I'm compassionate for those people because how how do you be someone like an astronaut who has to do everything to prepare and spend all your time on, on preparing for your career and then be all in and, and risk your life and also have a family and, and have these relationships where you can't possibly be – you know, I'm using astronaut. I know you guys. I was also just at NASA recently, so I was also having. You got that space on the brain. I got a little space in my brain, and it really could be any career, right? You're just super career driven. But I think there's something very special about the arts and how it just seems like for some people, if they don't do their craft, they don't exist. You yeah. know, it's not being a workaholic. It is their they identity. Just can't even be. Yeah. So I feel for that. You could tell a lot about people. And this is not judgment. It's just, I think, how people identify themselves. When you ask people, like, what do they do? Artists, especially artists of all stripes, I think always will start with lead with their art as the thing that they do as the as part as as the central core of their identity. And I think a lot of other I think a lot of people will identify as being a parent, if not first, pretty close to the top. This movie is examining that pretty well. I like that it's not really about his relationship with Gabby. It really is his relationship with his son. And the movie tells you why in that scene where she takes him to task, she says, I married into this. I knew what I was getting into. Charlie had no say. He's the one who you really have to keep track of this relationship because, you know, for whatever, whatever drew Gabby to Jack and this lifestyle that Jack has, 
she fully admits going in with her eyes open. It's different when it's your kid, though. They didn't have they didn't vote to have an artist dad. If you take the step of having a kid, then you have to have that responsibility. You can you can't lose sight of that, which takes me to another point that I liked about this movie. He is a better father as a snowman that he was as a dad but it's not like a 180 turn immediately he makes mistakes right he thinks teaching him the j shot which i really like that scene i thought it was sweet he thinks that fixes everything but it doesn't because that's not how life works and then he saddles charlie with all of the responsibilities he goes like full dad voice on him and says you've got to take care of your mom you've got to take care of school you've got to take care of your friends that's a lot to saddle with a 12-year-old. As a mom of, of older kids, was that too much too far? Was that, was that an honest mistake that he made? Or is that just like, oh, man, this guy hasn't learned anything? I think it was like last minute, everything you ever wanted to say to your kid. I mean, I think I would say the same things if, if you know, it felt like my, my I was on borrowed time. You know, I probably would try to say everything all the advice I ever wanted to give as quick as possible. Is it appropriate? No, but do I have another chance to say it later? No. So I I, I just got to start saying stuff that I never said. That's where it taps into all that, you know, regret and loss. Again, things that really pop up at the holidays. When Charlie storms away, he realizes, he mutters to himself, he's like, yeah, that was probably too much, you know, uh, too too much all at once. You know, but there's an urgency there. But I, I liked all of that, though, because it shouldn't be oh, good, my dad is here and he's a good dad now. He was a bad dad alive. Now he's a snowman and he's a good dad. No, there's still there's still a learning curve that really takes through the end of the movie to get to. What did you think of this concept of as long as you hold someone in your heart, you could never lose them, and the I will always hear you, which is a refrain on the harmonica, which is what brought him to life. Did that seem very Christmas movie messagey to you? It's something I say, like that my kids will never be without me because I'm in their heart and and all my words will always be in their head. They'll always be able to hear me because I've I've had so many moments with them. And so it's something that I say. I don't know if I say it's necessarily Christmassy, but it is something that I think gets amplified at Christmas time. Um, you know, you feel that loss. I know when we put up ornaments on my parents' tree, they have, you know, pictures of their own parents who have passed away and stuff that we hang on the tree. And there's stuff like that, that like you feel like so long as you continue to talk about people and you continue to relive the memories and talk about their advice and pass down stories that the person's not really gone. It, it reminded me, I think I was really attaching it to Christmas time here because it reminded me the whole the whole concept of as long as you hold someone in your heart you can never lose them but the i will always hear you obviously i i got the reference because of the in movie reference but it really reminded me of the bell in polar express mm, yeah this con- this concept of belief and hope again more christmas themes he says something he says a lot of complex things to charlie here at the end he's kind of wrapping up for all of us that the journey is now complete he's learned what was important as a dad but that charlie he says to him you can let me go not only do you have to let me go but you can let me go now because you opened up your heart to me and let me in and because of that, because you made that step to to open up your heart to me and let me in as your dad and not hold on to your anger with me, but now accept this this new part of our relationship, you'll never lose me because I will now always live in your heart. I have been knocking on the door. You let me in. And now that I'm in, I'm never going away. I really like that. Can, can I share? And, uh, and I'm going to try not to cry as I relate this story. I divorced Tom's mom when he was eight. That first Christmas, it was right after Christmas, actually. We had had a conversation about being separated. And we had this conversation, essentially, you you made me think of this when you said, I'll always be a voice in my kid's head. And that's something I've always told Tom. I've, I've always told him, since he could understand words, I've been saying this to him, because I wanted it to be something that he thought of on his own as if it was his own idea. You know, it was trying to do one of those kinds of things. Inception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm trying to incept him, right? I'm trying to say it so much that he thinks that it's his own. I always hear my father in my head. And we were having this conversation. It was our first, it was, we had just passed our first Christmas where we didn't, weren't together 24 hours a day like we had always been. I said to him, I was like, I was like, you know, 
I know we have to spend time apart during the week, but I'm never actually f- away from you, right? I'm I'm always in your heart, like you're always in my heart. I'm always your head. You you know, my voice is always in your head telling you what I think. You know what I'm going to say to things. My voice is over in your head and he turned to me and his eyes were 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 so teary. And he couldn't, he, and he said, he said, I can't hear your voice in my head. He said, he said, I, I don't hear it. And I, the two of us just started to cry. I, I didn't know what to say. You know, it was like, he really called me on that one. <laughs> the result was, I was like, well, then I got to keep saying stuff to you. You know, like it hasn't yeah. taken yet. I haven't accepted you yet. Uh, but man, what a, what a blow for him to feel like he heard me he knew what i was trying to say and he and he had thought about it and he's like i can't i don't actually hear your voice in my head and i <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a lot then you definitely can feel you know that urgency that fear and that you know worry about you know will my kid remember will they remember the things that i said to him or her and you know that again i think that that crops up at christmas time you know this holiday time of like you know are they going to remember the the different things that that we talked about and what's important and that kind of thing so yeah i think you're right by bringing in the bell and bringing in belief and and remembering you know the experiences you had because that's kind of the thing you're right about polar express like he's got to remember the experience of going to the north pole he's got to remember things that aren't going to happen again he has to remember them and just keep them in his heart there's a reason why i spent and many people spend the last 10 15 minutes of coco crying hysterically Mm. coco is all about the idea that no one is really gone as long as someone remembers them as long Mm. as an ancestor remembers them they live on forever in like the land of the dead and you see people disappear because they've been forgotten that's here like what happens if we only exist after we're gone in the memories of people so what happens when there's no one left to remember you. I have a private, quiet little calm about that because I think it goes to making sure that you make an impact in your community and around you as well. How do you ever really know, though? For my own self, I I was on the school board for 11 years at School for the Blind in Austin, and there's a gigantic plaque that has my name on it that's on the wall forever. You know, I mean, will it be there thousands of years from now? Probably not. But will it be there for probably hundreds of years? Yeah, it probably will. And and my name's there and I and I know and my picture's there and I know that I made a difference for, for that amount of time. And you know, it's something that my my mom has a big thing that where swear to God, if you're doing nothing, she's like, Go volunteer somewhere. And it always felt very like cause what you're doing is not important. But there's also a real like he makes an impact on all those little kids' lives when he gets involved in their little snowball fight and stuff like that. Like ways that are even outside your immediate family of like, you know, making sure you're reaching out to others and impacting other people in your community is a big thing. I think, you know, I appreciate in our trivia, we have that the first assistant director was Frank Capra III, and he was the grandson of famed director Frank Capra, who is the director of It's a Wonderful Life. And in It's a Wonderful Life, one of the biggest things is that he feels like no one's going to care about him. No one cares if he dies. And when we go through the whole experiment with him of realizing how many people's lives he touched, you realize that you're not going to be forgotten. You've affected all these people's lives. It's so much bigger than you think. It's not only your children. It's not only your spouse, but there's more. There's the max of the world. (laughs) There's your music. There's your art. There's your podcast. (laughs) There's some like fun homages to other Christmas movies in this movie. Obviously you have the Frank Capra behind the scenes connection to it's a wonderful life, which was our very first uh, movie we looked at in this podcast. There's a, a Christmas Carol Scrooge moment with with Jack learning some important things about uh, living in the now, even if it's as a snowman and things he has to take care of and fix before it's too late. But it, it there's obvious there's a, a lot of nice callback and homage to Frosty the Snowman the the cartoon the christmas yeah. classic cartoon uh and it starts really at the beginning of the movie i i have something about me that you may not know listeners may not know is i love when studio logos get transformed for a movie uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it there's like a whole sub genre 
of movie fans who track and 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 write about and make YouTube videos about studio logos being transformed. What does this mean? Do you mean like at the very beginning, like how when they put like snow on it or something? So the WB shield at the beginning of this mm. movie becomes a giant ah. snowflake and then there's snow dripping off of it and there's ice dripping off of it, which carries, carries us into as the band is playing the credits are rolling and there is like a wind sound and like with a tinkling noise now i actually found the tinkling noise every time a name appeared on the screen distracting because it was tinkling while the band was playing and no one needs that (laughs) yes it was it was the the tinkling was distracting but i like the the carrying the motif of the snow bringing in the credits then there's the scene when Charlie's finding something on television for his father to watch through the window and he puts on Frosty the Snowman because he thinks it's really funny and uh, Jack the Snowman like kind of does like a sarcastic laugh kind of thing. But then there's the end of the movie where he has said goodbye to Gabby and Charlie and he gets kind of whirlwinded away on the Christmas air. And that's when he says, I will always hear you as his final words, as like his snow kind of, you know, gets swept away. And it really reminded me of this scene from Frosted Snowman, which this is a clip that I've had saved since I started working on this podcast. I think maybe even before I told you I wanted to do this podcast, I've had this clip. I suppose it all started with the snow. You see, it was a very special kind of snow. A snow to make the happy happy and the giddy even giddy. A snow to make a homecoming homier and natural enemies friends. Natural For it was the first snow of the season. And as any child can tell you, there's a certain magic to the very first snow. Especially when it falls on the day before Christmas. For when the first snow is also a Christmas snow, <laughs> well, something wonderful is bound to happen. I love that so much. That's very sweet. I never had heard that. But man, it, it definitely plays into all of our, you know, extra magic and miracle and all that stuff. It's a good little folklore portion. It's, uh, yeah, I, I think it encapsulates so much of what I feel about Christmas and snow and the entire time and the entire vibe. Personally, it speaks to things that I particularly love about it. You know, I love taking a deep breath in the middle of like a new snow. I think there's something very special about it. And there is something special when the snow is on Christmas or Christmas Eve kind of thing. Watching the end as he whisks away. Now, this is an audio medium uh, so you can't see it but if you watch the frosty the snowman special you have the swirling snow kind of coming in as that's all being narrated and it really mimicked here at the end of the movie something special is about to begin something special has just ended as he gets kind of whisked away it was to me a nice bookend to the frosty story that kind of plays out over the course of the movie are you ready to talk about if this is a christmas movie mike i think i am ma'am (laughs) Okay, so for me, I think it is a Christmas movie. We always talk about could it happen at a different time of year, and certainly it could, but I think that it's most impactful to be happening at the holidays because that's when you're missing people. And in this particular case, there was all the heightened emotion revolving around the fact that Jack wasn't making it to that particular Christmas and then you know now we have this death situation maybe a birthday but maybe a birthday would be close but but Christmas is Christmas and it's wild to me that a record company is holding a fucking uh, uh, the record company is holding a contract making all of these people come out on Christmas Day that's insane to me yeah it's pretty insensitive biz but yeah I'm with you Um, so yeah I I think it is a Christmas movie it also incorporated Christmas music as well as you know this magic miracle kind of moment that needs to happen. So all of it, yeah, I think it is a Christmas movie. How about you? Uh, Same. I think it has the Christmas magic element to it, the harmonica. I love the harmonica coming back into play, even after he's lost faith in his father and tries to give it back. But a year later, he's missing his dad. He's made the snowman. I I love how he takes his feelings out on the snow when he comes home and he's just angry. I really was impressed by uh, Joseph Cross as Charlie here. I'm always impressed by kid actors when they do a good job. I thought he did a really good job, a really believable job. 
He carried the movie very well because, I mean, for the most part, he was the one on screen. This is a two-hander. I mean, this is a puppet and a kid, and they're it's they're the ones doing the heavy lifting. You know, uh, there are four puppeteers, two people working inside the suit at different points, and then different people manipulating, uh, puppeteering parts of Jack the Snowman. Fun fact, made by Jim Henson Creature Shop. So I thought you'd love that. I love that. You know, I do. So let's get into fast facts. Did you realize that Michael Keaton co-wrote two of the songs on the soundtrack? The two songs that the band does, Frosty the Snowman, which we spent time talking about at the beginning, uh, and then Have a Little Faith, which uh, appears later on in the movie. Uh, Tim Allen was considered for the title role, but he couldn't do it because he was in the midst of shooting the final season of Home Improvement. We talked about this in the last in the last movie, Christmas with the Cranks. Tim Allen, a little oversaturated in the Christmas department. I'm glad he was not in this one. Oh, I, I, I don't even know what I would. I, <laughs> honestly, I probably wouldn't have put this on the list. Uh, just, I, I just, it just would have been too much. It just would have been too much. <laughs> Cranks was enough, and you know, honestly, Cranks made the list because I like Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Sam Raimi of uh, Spider-Man fame uh, was once attached to film the movie. Uh, was once attached as the director to the movie. He even wrote a draft of the script with his brother Ivan. In Charlie's bedroom next to his bed, there's a bust that has a body of Superman breaking out of chains but the head of batman hilarious because as we all know michael keaton was the best batman he really really was kurt russell billy bob thornton dennis quaid kevin costner mel gibson all people considered for the role of jack frost that's crazy well kevin costner is interesting though he would have worked he had a little heart kevin costner has a band his actual instagram his instagram account is actually his band's account it's not even like kevin costner it's like kevin costner's band's name wow that's wild jake lloyd who who would become infamous famous or infamous in the star wars prequel movies just a year later was actually uh actually auditioned for the role of charlie so did Darren Chris. How how wild is that? I mean, Darren Chris, what, a full decade, a little more than a decade away from Glee fame. That's so crazy. Huh? What do you think of Renee Zellweger? She was in consideration for the role of Gabby. I think she could have done it. I, th- I it, That could have been okay. I could have seen that. This is Jerry Maguire era Renee Zellweger. Yeah, not not yeah. Qu- Not quite uh, Bridget Jones, I don't think yet, but uh, close. Just because I was impressed by the music, uh, the song Hey Now Now by Swirl 360, that's the song that's playing during the sledding chase montage scene, was also in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. And the Lisa Loeb song that closes the movie was also in the soundtrack to Twister. So are you ready to get into some Jingle Bell ratings? So while we're thinking about our Jingle Bell ratings, let's play a clip from next week's movie. This is a little bit of a long clip. This, it's like a minute 20, but it has a good payoff at the end. And that's why I left it so long. So be patient. It, it, <laughs> it, it has, okay, I'm ready. Uh, yes. Uh, there is one bad word said in this. So if you have kids listening, cover their ears. What ring? Grandma's wedding ring. Oh. Mom. Yep. This is the woman I'm going to marry. We're talking about Meredith, right? Mom, do you remember when I was dating Beckett Royce? Oh, but she was great. She was nice. But what you told me was when I met the woman who was to be my wife that I should come to you, that I should come to you because you wanted that woman to wear your mother's wedding ring. Well, I've met that woman, and I want to ask you for the ring that you promised me. I'm going to give it to Meredith tomorrow. On Christmas. That woman? Okay, Meredith, Meredith. It's just, honey, I can't give you my mother's wedding ring so that she can... You need a promise to me. Tough shit. I'm sorry. I know you're disappointed. But think how I feel. Whoa. That's a pretty good payoff (laughs) out there at the end. I know you're disappointed, but imagine how I feel. Woof! Yikes. I don't know this movie at all, (laughs) but it sounds like it's going to be tense. It is a favorite of mine. 
it is a movie I've liked since I first saw it. It is The Family Stone, 2005's Family Stone. Uh, talk about jam-packed cast. Uh, you may have been able to tell her voice. That is Diane Keaton, Craig T. Nelson, Dermot Mulroney, Claire Danes, Rachel McAdams, Luke Wilson, Paul Schneider, Sarah Jessica Parker, who is the Meredith being referred to in that scene. Yeah, it's a movie you were going to love or you were going to hate, but it is a movie worth talking about. Uh, you can rent it on all of the streaming platforms. It's not currently available for free anywhere. Guys, I hope you watch this one. I think The Family Stone is a movie everyone should watch and discuss. Wow, I'm looking forward to that one. Okay, so I did Jingle Bell ratings first last time. Are you ready? I am. I am. Do you have am. your spreadsheet out? Are you ready for your calculations? I am ready for my calculations. Now, I don't think this movie succeeds in everything it's setting out to do. I okay. do th- I do think there is a feature of too little, too late at play here. And I think maybe the pacing of the movie is the reason for it. We spend f- this movie is an hour and 40 minutes, Caroline. He doesn't become a snowman until 40 41 minutes into the movie. I think I would have liked to have seen him become a snowman quicker and spent more time learning how to be a good dad than as a snowman. If that was going to be the arc that they gave us, which it is because that's the arc that they gave us, I would have <laughs> right? liked, I would have liked, they established him. He was a absentee dad and a complicated absentee dad pretty quickly. I don't know that we had to have him as a human for too, too, too long. I, it's a Christmas movie. It's got it's got all, a lot of the Christmas themes, family, priorities, the choices we make with our family, especially with our kids. You know, how do we balance our own wants and desires versus the responsibilities of being a parent? It's got Christmas elements. This movie really works at Christmas best because of not only the heightened emotion, but the the sense of showing up and being there and being present at Christmas time. It doesn't work the same way almost any other day of the year. But as a father, son, parent, child, Christmas is one of those times you really have to be there. You have to make good choices. You can't be a snowman any time of the year. You have to be a snowman. Even in Colorado, you have to be a snowman in the winter months. Weather and 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 you know the time of the year is paramount to this it's got christmas music it's got great bluesy christmas music it's got some major standard christmas songs in it it's got michael keaton and he's never bad joseph cross a surprisingly talented young kid really carried emotional weight it's got some fun side characters we didn't even get to talk about henry rollins over excited coach sid gronick my God, that guy is every single youth coach I've ever known in my entire life. I knew you were going to feel that way. As soon as he started doing his speech in the in the little, um, I don't know what we call that. I want to call it the dugout in the what? What is that? In oh, the, in the hockey box area? Yeah, in the box. Yeah. yeah, in the box. And he's like doing his spiel. I, I, until the second that the son puts his hand on him was like, Dad, calm down. But I love that the son did that, though. I thought that was awesome that the son did it. I totally agree. But up to that second, I was like, Mike is going to hate this guy. And then, and then the second the, da- the, the son did that, I was like, Oh, twist. <laughs> he actually settled down. And then he's haunted half most of the movie by his interaction with the snowman, which, which Jack finds hysterical, as did I. I like that there is a redemption of Rory Buck, the bully, the snow building bully, because he appreciates the snow with throwing skills of the snowman. Mark Addy is Mac. That's Robert Baratheon from Game of Thrones. He is a classic British. Hey, it's that guy. I like the Mac character. I got to tell you, I kept waiting for him to do something funny with Gabby. I really thought the movie was going to go there. I was wondering. It, it didn't, though. I give the movie credit. It kept it family friendly. This is a movie you can watch with your kids and maybe need to watch with your family, depending on what your situation is. This movie probably isn't for everyone. It's certainly not a lighthearted classic, like some of the ones we've talked about. But it it definitely addresses certain themes that maybe you don't have a way to back into them. Maybe there are uh, parents who are making promises and not being able to keep them out who need to see this movie and the lessons it's talking about. Maybe there's been loss around this time of year. Maybe there is sadness or depression or grief that we all haven't worked through. Dabbed is a real thing. Depression, anger, bargaining, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. You know, uh, Jack himself skips two of those steps, at least. This movie is touching on a lot of things, I think, and, and I give it a lot of credit for for really shooting above its weight. I'm giving this movie an 8.5 Jingle Bells. 
uh, as a dad, this movie spoke to me in a way that I was not prepared for. I've cried twice while recording this podcast with you. But yeah, so I'm going high on this one because it, it, as a dad, it particularly spoke to me. I was worried about you. I have to say, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is a lot of dad son stuff. Mike's going to come in with full emotions on. I know for sure. Okay, so I am giving this one an eight. I am following up with, with most of the things you're saying. The themes are important at the holidays and they're unique to this movie we have done 25 weeks and we really haven't dived into the idea of loss and the idea of having someone not there at the holidays and how do you deal with grief how do you let them go and how do you move on and that's not something that we've touched on and it's certainly something that people deal with at the holidays we kind of just barely barely nicked it with bev and walt across the street at the cranks but the idea of like last christmases and you know saying goodbye and and any of those kinds of things, just not something that normally you see. So I think this is specific to specific families at certain times in your lives. You really want to hit this one because it's something that I think you could definitely open up conversations to healing and how are how is your family going to let someone go or how is your family going to you know let go of some of the grief and the sadness and instead remember the happy things, the good times. So I'm giving this one an eight, Mike. It's down in our spreadsheet. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> guys, I hope you join us next week. Next week is not only The Family Stone, a movie that I hope you guys all go watch out and uh, go watch and, and talk about with us. But it's also week 26, Caroline. What, is, what wow. does week 26 mean? Our official halfway mark. This has gone by very fast. It sure has. I can't tell you any of the movies we've done between this and and It's a Wonderful Life other than Charlie Brown Christmas, but <laughs> I, I know we've done them. I know we've done them, and it has That's flown funny. by. We should, we should, like, quiz ourselves on one of these. We should be like, how many can you name that we've done? And just, like, try. Like, don't look. No cheats. Oh, and Lord. And just try to remember what ones we've done. That would be that would be fun. We'll have to, maybe next week, since it's our official halfway, we'll have to challenge ourselves. Do not study. I'll be mad if you all of a sudden can just name them off in alphabetical order. I will not do that. I will not do that. The <laughs> spreadsheet is officially closed. Uh, the rankings have been added, and it will not be opened until we go to do our Jingle Ball ratings for The Family Stone next week, week 26. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. If you wouldn't mind going over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe for us, if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic so that we don't have to get a giant slingshot with a snow boulder and throw it at you. Don't make us, <laughs> don't make us go all Rory Buck on you. Don't make us do it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.